know that one? I don't. Yeah, I don't. you do. It's like the 80s thing. Dun, 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 dun. It's a sports song when the teens come out. Yeah, I'd probably know it if I heard. Sometimes those background noises are helpful, you know. Yeah. With those sports songs. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. There you go. I'm I can hear. I'm thinking about it all day. I'm I'm not trying to Google it now because I oh. feel like it should be obvious. Jump around, welcome to the jungle. Jump around. Jump around. Final countdown. The final countdown. Okay, now why do you get it? It wasn't obvious when I was whistling it. No, it was. No, that's exactly the thing. Um, it's like exactly what I was saying. It's the background noise. Our poor listeners. I know. Yes. What a great. Yes. I was in at Washita. We had a, a thing very similar to Baylor Singh called Tiger Tunes. And, um, called what? Tiger Tunes. Tiger Tunes. Tiger Tunes. Tunes. Okay. That's a little better. And um, one year, our my sorority's theme was um, like basketball, a basketball game. Uh-huh. And at the end, they it was the final countdown. Da, 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 da. Now, is your um is Tiger Tunes as elaborate as thing? Like big props, mad costume, weeks of practice. There are a lot of differences. Washington obviously is like a lower budget situation yeah. than Baylor. Yeah. Um, I would say the sets are. Um, not as elaborate. The dancing is also not as elaborate. I do think the singing is considerably better at Tiger Tunes than at Baylor Sing. Wow. Where they mostly just like scream. Okay. Shots fired. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it to anybody's face. Okay. I like that. I think the solos are good at Baylor Sing, mm-hmm. but all the group singing is just like screaming. You know, I've only been to uh, sing one time. I have only been a few. I've only been a couple times, I think. It was entertaining. It was long. Yeah, sing. Uh, that's what I've heard. I've been to sing. I've never been to pigskin. That's like the condensed version of yeah. Eight Champions, right? Yeah. See, I might like that. Yeah, I think. So here's better. my question, though. So you win pigskin. You get no. You win sing. You get to go to pigskin, right? The mm-hmm. top of the. But mm-hmm. like, that's the following fall after yeah. the spring. What if all your seniors left that put it on? Yeah, it's a different crew of people. Mm. So the freshmen are not. Well, this is what I know about this from living in. Ruth Collins residence hall for so long. I know some things about the girls' sororities at Baylor. Freshmen are not in the sing performance in the spring, but then in the fall when they're sophomores, they are, they can be in pigskin. Okay, but they've got to re-rehearse and all over. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. Yeah. So, what a journey for all of them. What a journey. That's how Tiger Tunes is also like, we got like three weeks of rehearsal, and then we got one all-night rehearsal. Oh, that just sounds horrible. It was horrible. I think Kathleen told me they've like changed it. You can't go like all night anymore. Because then your performance would be terrible because you're tired. Well, the all night rehearsal was always like a week beforehand, so you could like re readjust or you know get your energy back or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Taylor. Yeah. Lots to talk about. So much. actually, my list is short this week. Okay. But um, guess what? Then. What? Um, I was trying to pull up the UBC uh, bracket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of March Madness to talk about. I'm doing pretty bad this year. You are? Yeah, I filled out like three brackets for three different groups, and I'm doing bad. I did pick Baylor to win it all in the UBC one because I didn't want people to see me pick somebody else and get mad. <laughs> Who else would you have picked? Who would you pick another Well, one? I picked Wisconsin another one. That's sort of a joke, though, right? It was unfortunate for me they played each other the second game. Yeah. But to be honest, I wasn't even sure Wisconsin was going to win their first game. So, Well, but also at some point there's something to be said for just being like, this is my team. I yeah. believe they will win always. I have like, because that Wisconsin bracket I did, I picked like all Big Ten to win basically every game possible. <laughs> yeah. And it has like 230 possible points left. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> the Big Ten is doing horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Different than the Big 12. I don't even think they even have a team in the 
the Sweet 16 yet. Really? And that six are down, three left. But wow. let's speculate on some of these. Wild. Well, we know who's in second place. It's Kathy J. Post. She's in second? Yeah, she's in second. She will be disappointed. She was in first when we went to bed last she's night. She's still doing really good, though. Yeah. But um, Lin-Manuel Baranda. Yeah. Do you know who that is? No. Oh, this is so much fun. Who is it? I do know Champions for the Lord. Uh-huh. Um, I got to make sure that's right. First of all, Lin-Manuel Baranda is a great name. I think that, um, yes, Kristen Richardson told me that her father, Henry Evans, is Champions for the Lord. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I think he's in third. Bree? Bree is tied for third. Bears to the moon. Taylor's champion is in sixth. Um, your Katie Altaheef, Elliot Cry, who successfully picked Oral Roberts to be Ohio State, Ohio State the Ohio State University. Yep. Um, wow. Coach Riley, E. A. Hill, Aaron Alvin Hill. Yeah. Kristen Evans Rich. There's me in eleventh, tied for eleventh. I have bad news bears. Brian Hoppy. Wait, that's you? No, below me is. Oh, I think Dylan. That's... I think it's Dylan Braddock. So oh. it's D Brad O five below it. Dylan. Brian Hoppy. I have Brad News Bears. Bad News Bears, I think, is a really good name. That is a good one. GCT821. No idea. Nellie Cruzan. That's Steve Nelson. Is it George Thornton? Oh, that would make sense. I mean, I don't know. But good guess. Thank you. Ryan might win. <laughs> Ryan might win. <laughs> w. Do it. I think that's Will Do It. Jill Riley. Gosh, people must be so bored listening. Sorry, I'll stop. Okay. The important thing is I'm ahead of Tove. That's the important thing? Yeah. He did say that his back bracket had been way, way busted. Yeah, mine's kind of... This one's a little more hopeful, but... Anyways, what a fun time of the year, the tournament. I feel like it's very early. Like, there are no perfect brackets anymore. Yeah. And I feel that it's very early for well, that. Well, hardly anybody ever wins a bracket pool uh-huh. unless they have the winning team. The winning team. I, you know who won it last year? Well, we didn't have it last I year. I do. You know who won it two years ago? Steve Nelson. Nope, Josh Carney. No. Steve Ruby, won. Steve Ruby won it. that he won. So we've done, Steve won it two years in a row. That's what Ruby told me last night. And then the next year I won. Oh, okay. And then last year it was canceled. But Steve took second that next year. Okay. Did you take yourself to lunch? I did, but I paid for it, so I guess it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. and Tove texted me this morning. Or it might have been last night. I don't know. It was sometime after I went to bed till I woke up. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> He was definitely in his one space. Okay. Um, and he's like, this is why I said what I did. And when I had posted in the newsletter, I did say the winner will go with Tof and Josh. When I put it on social media, I said the winner will go with the staff member of their choice. Oh. But it was just funny to me. <laughs> this is why I said what That's I did. That's so funny. <laughs> Tof. <laughs> I, he was right, though. I wasn't actually. This is all This all stems from yesterday, Tof, in, the, in worship, and the announcements said... Me and Josh are going to take whoever to lunch. And I said, I gasped, um, like the overdramatic person that I am. And I was like, what if they choose me? And then Toph was like, what? And Josh was like, oh, I guess I said something. And then I Toph did not have to carry that around with him all day. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why it's funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say I did screw it up, so it is my fault. You put two things in different Yeah, ways. I put me and Toph in the newsletter, and I put staff member choice, which I think should be staff member choice. But yeah. then I was thinking, what if somebody chose Jamie? That might be a nightmare for him. That's true. We better take Jamie. He's exempt. You cannot pick Jamie. You can't pick Jamie. Unless he wants you to pick him. Yeah, unless it's like a dare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if it's a dare or like three other people, yeah. you can pick him. But yeah. none of you are in the tournament. Yeah. So. so. There you go. <laughs> We're protecting Jamie at all costs. Well, Taylor. Yeah. Um, here's something I'm going to tell you about me. Okay, tell me. So very... I have road rage. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't do anything about it. But if you could hear me inside my car, you'd I be don't very disappointed. About it. Like you know, some really? people will get out of their cars and. Oh sure. Right. I'm not that guy. I think I would know that about you already. In I fact, did. I'm like I'm like a barking dog who like once as you soon pull, as somebody yeah then I like kind of look like I have like <laughs> if somebody actually looks back at me I turn my head and You're like, like it's, no I was just um nothing yeah <laughs> I'm that guy but uh so when you come down seventeenth. Uh-huh. Okay, right by Calvary, it bends there, okay, to yeah. turn to 18th, okay, if you're going, I guess, towards China Spring. Yeah, it turns into Homan, yeah. right? Oh, or, no, it just connects to 18th. Towards China Spring. So you're heading out of town, down and 17th. They, they connect, yeah. And then yeah, yeah. it curves up there. 
Okay. Well, um, I always, this is, I'm, I'm very much a hypocrite. Okay. Because especially if I'm on my scooter, I'll get in the left lane, which nobody gets in because everybody's kind of bending the right to keep going down 18th there to continue yeah. in their way. Yeah. Okay. Because, well, what way do you go? Well, okay. I intend to do that too because then I turn left on Colcord. But what I do is I get, because nobody goes in that lane, I go to the front and then I anticipate the light and I gun it and I get way ahead of that car and then I merge the right. Josh, that sounds so dangerous. It's not dangerous at all. Okay. Because my scooter can accelerate so much faster than a car. Okay. It's not even close. Okay. So I do this routinely. Okay. Um, but <laughs> the hypocritical part is if I'm in the middle lane to be in the right lane, which goes to 18th, uh-huh. and people get in the left lane, I know what they're doing. I gun it so they can't get over. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm all, this is all has a point. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, and so then I'm like, but why do I do that? Because I do the same thing. And I'm always trying to keep people from being able to get over. I want to punish them for not getting in the right lane yeah. way back. Well, this week, though. Okay. S- somebody was in that left lane. I was in the right lane, jockeying to keep them out. Right. And then they slowed down and put on their blinker. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you can get over. Yeah. And it's all about what I perceive as aggressiveness. Like, because they had, like, feigned a kind of um, automobilic humility, Yeah. I was willing to yield to them. And I'm like, hey, I've got all time in the world. That is so interesting. The, the blinker for me is such a relational tool. Hmm. It's like, hey... I respect you. I'm not going to try and do this, but I really need to get over. Would you let me in? I'm a letter inner. Yeah. If you're going to do it the right way, I'll let you in. But if you're going to gun it like I do, no way. <laughs> if you're going to gun it like I do, no way. I am cutting you off. Dog that eat dog. so interesting. Because, well, I, it just reminds me of a thing I've been observing about myself recently, which is that I tend, this is probably not just a me thing, but that... um. Even when people are saying like neutral things about me, I tend to interpret that like unless someone goes out of their way to say like, uh, I don't know what they could even say, Um, but I tend to interpret things as like attack. Do you know what I mean? Huh. Um, Unless someone is like actively being like, this is a neutral observation or like. Something like that. That's maybe human, though. Maybe. Some people, like sevens, assume it's positive. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I think everybody assumes something. Yeah, everybody is assuming something. I, it's not always attack. Yeah, it's like I always assume the thing someone is saying is like, well, and it is, I think, do think it goes, wow, this is getting much deeper than I meant to. But it's sort of like Enneagram childhood wound type situation that it's like, I assume if someone is saying something, it is likely critique. What's my wound? What's your wound? Um, I always forget the wounds. Is it just the opposite of our thing? Like, I want to be loved? So it's like fear of rejection for twos is like you were, you know, you had some sort of parental or adult figure in your life, not you felt rejected by them, whether or not I always have to. It's so funny the way parents are. I know so many parents that are like, I didn't try to do that thing to you. And it's like, no, no, that's not even the assessment, right? Like, it's not like you had a parental figure that rejected you. It's just like you feel like you had a parental figure. So yours is that you were rejected? No. Well, again, yeah. Is that why you crave love? Um, well, it's like, um, yeah, it's just a learned behavior. Like, you feel sort of feel like you couldn't trust your needs to be met by outside resources so you learned to like be a helper to like mm. make yourself indispensable so that this isn't quite right your needs would be met what does it say well it's framing it a little differently so that's fine the enneagram one child self-judgment the enneagram two child self-sacrifice the enneagram three child rejection of course self yeah I enneagram four rejection of identity that's a little different yeah. phraseology. Yeah, it is. Oh, let me, since we're talking, let me put a call out to listeners. Okay. People know who know me that I'm writing fiction, mm-hmm. and I'm at a point in my fictional world where um, a character is going to purchase gifts for other characters. Mm. Um, and I've gotten them all now except for the one. I cannot get a gift for a 12-year-old scoofy male who's a one. Scoofy. They don't know what that means. No, but... Think of a mythical world like Lord of the Rings or something, a hobbit-esque figure that's 12. 
but on a journey away from home and um a gift they would want or a gift they would need either Mm. you know what i finally decided for the two um well no i don't who who gave me the suggestion i thought it was oh it's carrie fisher oh the two is getting a cookbook oh man kathleen got me a cookbook for christmas and i lost my mind i loved it so much yeah because the thought being that the two needs permission to take care of themselves Mm -hmm. and but i mean like cooking may not be that for some people but my two characters are going to love it. I love cooking. And it's going to also have a hidden secret magic recipe in it eventually that they'll use. Isn't that a good idea? Just giving away all the info. Well, I just thought that was slick. It like, is. You know, something just right away. It's like um, Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Was there What's a magic the cookbook? Yeah. Hermione gets a book from Dumbledore. Oh, yeah. And then it shows up. Isn't it the Fantastical Beasts? No. What's the book in the end? Because um, you're talking about the... Where they sit on the couch and yeah, it gives uh, Harry the... Notice is the Deathly Hallows symbol in it. And it's like a book of fairy tales, nursery rhymes type situation. Oh, Tales of Beetle Bart. Tales of Beetle Bart. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that book itself is good. That yeah. It's five short stories. Yeah. Does it include the brothers? Yeah. That whole tale's in there. And that retelling in the Deathly Hallows movie is actually, I think, one of the more c- cinematic, beautiful things. I agree. I love that retelling. Um, with her voiceover and, it's and the like stick figures yeah, yeah but it's like more than that it's like they're ink blotty and they it's very yeah it's a kind of medium of art that's cool yes it definitely is so but back to the original ask if you can think of oh yeah if you can think of a kid well and interesting things have been derived from my hunt here okay. is that um you might have said this like or no, carrie you didn't ask me what your gift it was on facebook for the world to answer okay i just didn't I'm not mad. Oh. Speaking but. of making judgments and assumptions <laughs> about people's attitudes. Um, okay. We had a microphone snafu. So this is going to feel like a real non sequitur. <laughs> but Josh, was you were saying on your hunt in asking people, oh, that it's... Different phases. The phases, it depends on the phase of Yeah. So like, I, for example, a lot of moms, mm-hmm. and I hate feminist, or not, I love feminists. I hate all the tropes, <laughs> but like, they all just want time away from... To like relax, to, right? Yeah, to relax. That has nothing to do with their number. It's just they're all. Yeah, it's a season of life thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's at play too. Okay, that's cool. But if you come up with the answer, oh, you know who? Oh no, she's not a one. Who? I was thinking your sister. I have the eight. The eight was kind of hard too. You said you should. Yeah. Well, no, not you said. I know you talked to Kathleen about that. Yeah. Um, Erin Alban Hill is a one. Oh, that's good, and she's thoughtful like this. Yeah. I should have her. Yeah. Okay. And she listens hey, to the Aaron, podcast. Hey, Aaron, expect a phone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> call. Because you're not doing enough for us already. <laughs> HR. And... Aaron, we are thankful for you. Well, there's that. Yeah. Um, okay, next. Have um, you... Well, okay, sorry. I was going to ask a question. Go ahead. Have you watched much of March Madness? The only game I've watched was Baylor, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Uh, hey, I thought your TikTok was really funny. Thank you. It, it was my most viewed TikTok ever. It was um, <laughs> a lot to take in. It's so funny that you have that much Wisconsin. And actually, I have more Baylor gear and Wisconsin gear that I didn't show, but I didn't have pants to oh. match it anymore. Yeah. So I cut it off. That was, I thought it was really funny. Thank you. Well, that's not the way people are using that song. But What's the song you used? Want somebody to love when you get that beat. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like the cue. They're doing it. Um, this is why I live. This is what I mean when I say I love. And then it's wherever they live. And it's just a bunch of beats of them and like cool shots. Oh. Totally privileged millennial thing. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> but, but I think you. But I think that's part of it is like to use it in a different way is like that's what people are attracted to on the old TikToks. Yeah, well, it was I had over a thousand views. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So here I finally figured out Twitter and TikTok. Okay. So Instagram. You figured them out? Well, I just like how are these functioning things functioning in the life of our lives? Yeah. Instagram and Facebook, you can get lots of feedback, but it's only from your world. I mean, granted, your reel could go viral, but it's much more likely that unless people are following you, TikTok and Twitter lend themselves to a kind of virility. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Virality. Yeah. That you can't, it's not as accessible in those other two mediums. Yeah. Gotcha. I think that's true. And the, but the vibes of those two 
apps are like wildly different, I think. Yeah. Like going viral on TikTok and going viral on Twitter are different things. Yeah. They're they're kind of different kind of smarts. Yes, I like, think so too. Twitter's the intellectual game. You have to be a wordsmith. Yeah. But TikTok, you can kind of be a performer. Yes. Like I was thinking, do you remember that game um, Cranium? Do you ever play that? Yeah, sure. It broke. It was like words people. There was like definitions people. There was like artist people, and then there was actor people. Yeah. It's kind of like each one of those belong to different the, the four quadrants of social media. Yeah. So uh, Twitter would be the the words. word one. Yeah. The idea one would be uh, maybe Facebook. Facebook's just kind of a dumpster fire. Yes, that is true. I yeah. stay there though. I do but too. But you're very right because I do. You know, I do post pretty regularly, like a question or like, "Hey, can you tell me mm-hmm. how you feel about this thing?" And I do get lots of feedback. But it is Facebook like, does feel the easiest to me. Yeah. But it's mostly because that's my biggest network I've built over the years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I have had some great tweets that just continue to get ignored. Yeah, but. Um, not even one like. Not even one like. Yeah. Yeah. Like this was a salient connection nobody made. Twitter I, is harder to harder to get picked because up. sometimes it's like um, you got to get retweeted. Yeah, and a lot of people to. like it, but if they don't retweet you, and sometimes it's like you can tweet something that's like almost nonsensical, and it'll and take off. It'll take off. Yeah, people will love it. Yeah, like I posted a picture of um, the two weight rooms. Did you see this? I did. And I said uh, just a subtle reminder that we need Title Nine. Um, in the middle of Women's Month. Yeah. What a great connection. Women's Month, Title mm-hmm. Nine, and that. Not mm-hmm. a one. Not a one. It doesn't. I do feel like that I'm getting some insight into threeness. Right now? Yeah, because it's not. It's not like out of care and concern <laughs> for no. women that you're tweeting about the locker room. But here, this is like, well, this one didn't really go viral. How do I? This one is. Is Printer Inc. a scam internationally or just Oh, yeah. US? That was a good one. And it's 21,000 likes. That's a great thing, though. Yeah. Well, it is a scam. Especially we are currently experiencing. Well, we had that meeting today. It, yeah. went, it went well. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Um, well, Taylor. Yeah. Um, speaking of Twitter. Okay. I wanted to make this observation. Okay. I've been thinking about I do think you should keep your Twitter private. Oh, my. <laughs> wow. What an admission. I'm for sure going to make it public now. Yep. And I'm just kidding. Why do you say that? Well, I'm redoing the... Because um, I go very rogue on Twitter? We, we're, we're looking at the social media policy right oh. now uh, for the handbook. And it'll just be easier for me if you stay private. If I stay private? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, probably. Yeah, are we going to talk about that as a staff? I have observations. Oh, sure. Okay. I'm sure in the future we need to do that, actually. Um, okay. That's all? You just wanted to say that? You did not want me to respond? You can respond. Okay. Yeah, aware. Um, what, can you give me, could you give me, like, one example of a tweet that um, is, like, sort of bordering on why you think I should keep it? Well, for the record, I meant this as a joke. Sure. For the record, my life will be easier if your Twitter stays private. Really? Yes. From, um, well, no, this is probably not a conversation. We could it's the here. difference between it's never an issue and it may be an issue and it'll be a meeting and then it'll be. Yeah. Um, Here's a good one. Brood cicadas are coming this spring and I too feel like I'll be emerging from a 17-year underground hibernation to yell in public. Did you write that one? I didn't write it. Oh. Oh, you're just saying that's a good tweet. I tweeted it. I retweeted it. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna find an offensive tweet you did right now, but. Oh okay. Oh, oh, this is this. I'm keeping this though. <gasps> what? Well, this may be the main conversation. Uh, this also, I have another quote that I wanted to read that maybe should be part of the main conversation. Okay. Um, well, I'm just gonna leave this out there. Okay. I'm blocking who said it, because okay. I just want to gauge your reaction. Okay. Um, and then you're going to know exactly why, because it's, we're, I'm a broken record. Okay. The quote is, broken I'm a, record. shame is not a tool for social justice. Okay. Agree or disagree? Agree. Okay. Well, dang. Now the conversation's over. Why? Who was it? Brene Brown. Oh. I think you 
have a misunderstanding of what I believe about things. Well, it's like, good to know. Like, did you think I was going to agree with that? Well, I think it depends how much thought people give to the word shame. What the word shame is? Is shame always a bad thing? Sure, right. You're saying yes? Um, We're in the shame triad. I think shame is... Um, like if someone is currently carrying around shame or like, uh, sorry, sort of always carrying around shame, then that is not the way that humans were designed to live. I think if someone feels ashamed because they have been called out on bad behavior, that is fine. Do you think the people who call out the people want them to feel shamed? I mean, I can't speak for every human. Do you know what I'm saying? That's fair. But I think that a lot of times, this is, yeah. I was thinking maybe we could, because last week you were like, maybe we should really get, we should get back to cancel culture again. Yeah. Um, I also listened to the episode and it was clear to me why you were objecting so vehemently to cancel culture language in that moment. Okay. Because of the Dr. Seuss thing. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't or cancel maybe culture. maybe a few other things. Oh. I can't remember what you said. I didn't. Um, Anyhow. Yeah, okay, well, let's save that then. Put a pin okay. in it. Okay, great. Because um, I have another conversation piece. I just feel like I'm going to lose in this, though. Okay. Our listeners are not on my side. Why do you... I'm just going to open myself up to get in trouble. <laughs> Why do you feel that way? I So I think you like it. Like what? Getting Like being the person who's asking the questions. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like getting in trouble and like... Not, not but that, I also never, ever actually I also do believe this okay theologically and otherwise okay and I'm willing to be corrected on it okay because I can see the other side but I do think you like playing that part sometimes oh I revel in it okay okay well then we're gonna hit put a pin in shame is not a tool for social justice Brene Brown okay here's the last thing before we go to the quiz and the commercial okay um we had a review that did not show up on our review <gasps> yeah so we got a text from okay. brother Marshall thundering herd cook former uh ubc pastoral associate and champion for the lord now pastor senior pastor of wow. i don't know um engineering city new mexico whatever that's called um, where all the smart people go um i remember that the town was called anyhow he said i just want y'all to know how much i love the podcast it be, may be my favorite thing on monday i will now i will not be leaving a review on apple Podcasts <laughs> because i refuse to play by their rules Lilas Marshall. What is Lilas? Is that a <laughs> is that an acronym? Uh yeah. Uh, love you like a sister. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Girls used to write it in on like yearbook each other's yearbooks all the time. Lilas Marshall. Lilas. I'm gonna start using that. All right. Yeah, you should. Just yell it at people as you're like walking out of a room. <laughs> Lilas, you guys. Well, you know what I do? I do frequently use three heart the the double pink heart emoji. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Um, I have also noticed that in what I think of as a caringly mocking way, you have started saying bye the way I say it. Oh, you know why I do it? No. In addition to you doing it? Why? Is because uh, that's how they end the Smartless podcast. <laughs> All three of them. Sean hey, Hayes go, will. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I thought that was a cultural thing somewhere. I don't know. Oh, Okay. It must be if the two of you independently got it across the universe. Yeah. Maybe not. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, well, thank you, Marshall, for leaving us a review. Yes, Marshall. It, thank you so much. It would mean more to us if you put it on there, but we'll accept your I disagree. Your offer. I felt very special receiving a text Well, message. I'm an Enneagram 3, so we <laughs> receive these things differently. Um, our last review was posted on February 11th. Fans, it's been over a month, so if you have been sitting on the fence... Not supporting us like you don't actually ever pledge on the NPR drive, but listen all the time. Do us a favor. Get on the internet. Leave us a little review so we can go viral and be celebrities. I feel like our energy today is... A little catty? Yeah, it's true. It's like a little uh, different than normal. I don't know what Well, you're you're dealing with the weather and I'm dealing with stress. Yes. That's what's going on. The weather is making me sad. (laughs) Speaking of Twitter, I did tweet today. I I saw it. I did not know that it was going to be gray. Yeah, I'm sorry. And that makes me... Deepens your sense that the love of God is near us? Yes, no, I understand. it does the opposite. 
Okay, well, it's time to give me a quiz. A quiz. Okay, so in light of our current context, we are going to be doing a March Madness basketball quiz. Are you ready? Always. There are options. I hope that there's a history and it's like who your knowledge of the game. Yeah. Okay. There are options, but they are not. Probably won't need them, but go ahead. Right, yeah. But I will start by not giving you the options. I love being smart and sounding smart. Which player was named the 2003 Final Four Most Outstanding Player after leading Syracuse to a national championship? Carmelo Anthony. (gasps) You're so right. That's amazing. Ding. Okay. They beat Kansas that year, didn't they? Uh, Syracuse, Kansas, I think. I think so. But I can't really. Okay, next. What was the last Pac-10 team to win an NCAA National Basketball Championship? This will take me a second, but I'll get it. Okay. Arizona, Arizona State. Let's see. Utah, Colorado, USC, UCLA. UCLA. I could give you the options. Okay. No, UCLA was 95. Did Arizona win it after that? Um, So do you want me to tell you what the options are? No. Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Stanford, Berkeley, USC, UCLA, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. I'm going to still say Arizona, 98. 97, but yeah. Yeah, 98, 7. Yeah. And you said it was 95. Okay. I'm cutting myself right. Yeah. Okay. You said Arizona. Yep. I didn't ask you what year it was. Okay. In the 1982 NCAA championships. Ooh, I may not get this right. Michael Jordan hit the game-winning shot in the final. Georgetown. For North Carolina. Which team was North Carolina playing? They were indeed playing Georgetown. Next. That's like the year you were born. Yeah, I've seen that clip 100,000 times. Okay. Which team won the 2005 NCAA basketball championships? That's just the question? Mm-hmm. This is hard. I did not pay as close attention. Was it a team from the state of North Carolina? Um, I That's it. Those, yeah, maybe. Okay, I'm going to say. Those are two potential options on the North list. Carolina. Okay. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, 2005. That's the year I graduated high school. Five. Which of these NBA stars did not play on the NCAA championship team? Okay. On Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Which of these NBA stars did not play on an NCAA yeah. championship team? Okay. Okay, the options are Vince Carter, Antoine Walker, Carmelo Anthony, and Mike Bibby. Bibby and Anthony both did. That was Arizona and Syracuse. Uh, Antoine Walker, and who was the other? Vince Carter? Mm-hmm. I think it was Carter that didn't win one. Walker did win. Yeah. Okay. Vince Carter did not. That was such a – that was Stackhouse was there. Rasheed Wallace was there. Eric mm-hmm. Montra. It was all in like five years. It was crazy. Yeah. Which team has won the most NCAA Division One basketball championships? Is it UCLA? That is an option. Let's see. You are correct. Yay. Okay. Wooden, wooden award. That's why it's called the award. Oh, yeah. Next. What event led to the end of playing the third place game in the final four? Uh, what event? Yeah. Do you want me to read you the options? I feel yeah. like otherwise it's kind yeah. of opaque. Okay. An assassination, an assassination attempt on President Ronald Reagan. Okay. An earthquake in the host city, San Francisco. I was going to guess earthquake. An outbreak of wild pig flu or a strike by NCAA referees. You want to go with I'm going to guess the earthquake. Okay. No. Was it the um, assassination? It was. Okay. Attempt. Those are both the 80s. Yeah. Okay. What player who now stars in the NBA holds the record for most blocked shots in an NCAA championship tournament game? Uh, so is it, um, are they current? Um, no. Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. This test, this quiz must have been written. Okay, that's fine. A while ago. Okay, which Pac-10 college basketball team did Jason Kidd lead to a Sweet 16 appearance in the NCAA basketball tournament in 1993? Cal Berkeley. Yeah. Next. Sorry, I have to click through. Okay, there's one more. Oh, dang it! I love this quiz. Okay. 
You're doing really good. Thanks. What team has made the most appearances in the final four? It's either going to be Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, or Kansas. And I'm going to say in the just the final four, not the national championship game. Oh, but then you have UCLA too. Shoot. Um, I'm going to say North Carolina. Yes, you're correct. Yeah. They have made the final four a record 16 times. Wow. How about that? They've won the tournament four times. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that Kentucky's not even in it this year? Nor is Duke. That is so nuts. That is really nuts. But you know what? Sin will do that to your life. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I hope that they are living with their consequences. Okay. Well, Taylor, you know what we need to do? We need to pause. Yeah. And then we got to come back and have a conversation that I don't want to have that I'm going to get in trouble for. <laughs> Taylor. Yeah. Well, guess what happened this week in our life? What? Roy turned 14 years old. I still cannot believe that. And you want to know what Ma, uh, Lindsay and the mom Rat Pack did? What they They did? made a deal that when their children children turned 14, that's when they could get phones. So oh. we, rather than buy our son a $600 phone, mm-hmm. decided to give him one of our old functioning phones. But before we did that, okay. we wanted the phone to be in the absolute best shape possible. Sure. So you know what we did? What you do? We took it down to Skinny's Repair Shop on... Mm. 618 Clubmas Avenue, Suite B, right below our friends and other sponsors. The, um, oh, it slipped in my mind. Mark Waldrop's business. Oh, um. Sidekick. Right below Sidekick yes. Agency. Um, they're on Columbus. And um, for, for $75, we got a, a new battery. We got it all sh- shaped up, shipped out. Looks real great. 100% like a brand new phone. Works $75? like a gem. $75? $75. Yep. The people over at Skinny's are going to take care of you. So if you've got an ailing phone. You need a new screen. You need some advice. You need to know if uh, Big Brother's watching you through that phone. Take it over to Skinny's they at 618 are. Columbus Avenue, Suite B. That's 618 Columbus Avenue, Suite B. Or give them a call, 254-340-8557. 254-340-8557. Yeah. And we're back. We are. All right, listeners. We just took time to read an article so that we could kind of get on the same page. Yeah. So, Taylor... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Josh feels I was that- going to. I was really, I wanted to open to this obnoxious go. Okay. So why am I right and you're wrong? Okay. okay. But I couldn't do it. But there's really nothing right or wrong about yet. About, yeah. So the article, let me just put, um, was David Brooks, who is yes. um, now getting pecked at from both sides for being a schmarmy moderate from the New York Times, who I like, um, wrote an article about... I don't, well, no, I can't find it. What's the title of it? But as he, he interviewed Isama Kali from I Wheaton. Have it, yeah. Um, opinion, Christian Vision of Social Justice, New York Times. Christian Vision of Social Justice. Yeah, in which he reclaims this word sin, and he quotes a bunch of folks. And Social it, change can be pursued with mercy and hope. Yeah, there we go. Is the, is the Well, maybe I should secondary. ask this. Did you like or unlike the article? I liked it, and I don't know why you think oh, I wouldn't. Well, that's disappointing. Now we have nothing to fight about. Well, <laughs> well, we can fight about the fact that you thought I wouldn't like an article that's normal. Well, go read the comments, though, on his thing. People are mad? Oh, yeah. What are they mad about? I'm going to pull up the comments. Okay, great. Uh, I can, I mean, there are, uh... Here's the thing I would like to say that I haven't here's said. Here's like, here's, he posted several times when he says, there's a way to be anti racist and anti cancel at the same time. I think that's for me the subtext of the thing, though. What? That is meaningless. What? That. What I just said? Sentence. Sure. Um, that it's anti cancel. No, it's meaningless. Okay. <laughs> I, I, um, I think for me, the thing that has become problematic with people being anti-cancel culture is, I mean, it's like, I saw the other day a thing, a picture on the internet, let's be fair, I don't have all the context, but it was like Fox News saying all these things have been canceled, and it's like, like the, the things we talked about, Ms., uh, Dr. Seuss, yeah. not canceled. Wasn't canceled, agreed. A choice that they made. Right. Mr. Potato Head, a choice that a That's, company made. Okay, yeah, good, good point. And um, so... It is just strange to me that I have to live in this world where people are always being like, cancel culture is getting out of hand. And then they list a bunch of things 
that have not been canceled by anyone. Yeah, and what's happening there is people are using that. It, cancel culture has become the new moniker to describe any kind of censoring, be it done by the self or another institution. Yes. That's what's happening. And to be fair, this article is not about Potato that head or, type yeah. of cancel culture. Yeah. Um, and actually, I don't know that he even uses the word cancel culture. Not in the he, article, no. He, um, But he does describe... The way that people's, you know, there are people whose lives have been ruined because... Of a bad tweet or something. Of a bad tweet that maybe they tweeted 10 years ago at this point. And he talks about how um, that for people who have a sort of Christian worldview or meta-narrative in their head, that scripture does speak to the way that we approach people who have made mistakes... Mm-hmm. Um, and that we, what we would call those mistakes are sins. Yes. And then the way we move forward is we um, address the behavior. We ask them to, I mean, like, and then the understanding is as a Christian, sort of like you must sort of self-confess at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And then you repent and you try to move away from that behavior. Yeah. Um, well, so jump in. Sure. So I did think about, um, what, how did this, uh, article renew the conversation in my head about cancel culture? Mm-hmm. And, um, as, as we're always honing and sharpening, I think that we've identified, yes, it can be a useful tool, especially where power refuses to listen. Yeah. Um, which stands. I think for me, what this clarified is I often... And I may have said this before. I don't trust the motives of people who are canceling often. And I don't trust that there's a telos to the canceling. But you trust the person who's being canceled? No, not at all. Um, but so for you me, trust nobody involved. Well, yeah, that's probably true. Okay. No, but I think it's like, and, and again, this is okay. the problem is. Um, who like a moral vision for humanity that ultimately evolves out of my Christian community that nobody hasn't existed in. Sure. Um, but it's all, so I think though the rub for me though, is I, I think there's sometimes an expectation for me to participate in cultural forces of canceling when I don't want to give my name or something if I don't have control of like the whole process. Right. I think that's very interesting. Um, because while I may think... Why do you feel like you have to participate? Oh, because there's tweets all the time. Like, my church didn't do this. Or my ch- not at, like, UBC. But, like, I see that stuff. And so you feel like... Or my pastor was silent this week. And, you know. So you do feel compelled personally. Yeah. That I better speak out about it or else be another whitewashed church and i'm like sometimes i just like sometimes i don't know how i feel sometimes i don't even know what's happening yeah and like it, oh, things are moving quickly right well now. and to, sometimes you can do a lot of damage as i have by not really being literate on something i'm trying to even rebuke yeah um but i feel like it's unacceptable for people if you have a proactive voice that's different i feel like than what we've talked about previously yeah and i do think though that it's like um I also feel that pressure maybe in a different way because I'm not standing up and like, you know, sort of preaching or speaking to sort of, I mean, I do actually do get up and do the welcome or whatever, but nobody's expecting me to address those things because of our difference in yeah. position. So I probably do feel that differently, but I do think it's okay to say like, uh, I don't know enough about this. Do you know what I mean? Especially because I feel like when you do know enough about something, Mm -hmm. you do... I mean, like, at this point, I feel like you have earned some trust from people. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but I get that same... I get that same feeling, but you don't... It's like peer pressure. You don't have to give into it. Well, and I wonder how much of that is a three at work in my own processing through the week, too. Like, oh, everybody's looking at me to say something when actually nobody is. Right. And maybe they are sometimes, but also maybe it's like they would have, I would think, you know, they would rather you not say something than say something that you're not really prepared to say. Yeah. Um, 
So I think I feel that way about myself as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. it is like things are moving so fast, and sometimes I just don't have the facts. I don't quite know what happened, and sometimes it's like, oh wait, I don't understand why this is like you know forgive my ignorance i don't understand why this particular thing was upsetting to people um so so is that the thing that is most upsetting to you about cancel culture which thing that you feel pressured to participate no again my biggest thing i don't like is that i don't think it aims to be redemptive or cares to be redemptive I think it cares to be punitive. Yeah. Without thought for the moral vision on the other side of that. And the punitive can belong. That's not, I'm not denying that. That's why I quoted that first Corinthians five, cut them off on the day of Christ so that they may be redeemed. I don't think, um, (laughs) you know, so like the one example that probably gets used too much and, and I hesitate even to do it because of the staggering statistics about women not being believed, but was at the Duke lacrosse, yeah. Where those guys were, um, you know, the, the the I mean, the court case was so bad that the um, accuser's lawyer was disbarred by the state of North Carolina. Mm. Um, which here's my thing, you know what? But it's maybe it's still worth taking a swing because 98 percent of women aren't believed. So I'm even willing to let that go. What I have a problem with is the, and this is from friends who were in Duke at the time, were the people who were on the streets calling for their heads. We're not in the streets apologizing or saying anything when it was over. Yeah. And to me, that's a signal. It's like, oh, you don't actually care about justice. You yeah. care about a certain narrative being told. And when that narrative is not there, you're done. Yeah, I do think this is strange, though. This is I was thinking about last week's podcast as well. But it, I mean, it is like you said, like that's like one example. Do you know? Yeah. And I know there are probably others, but there aren't very many. But that reminds me of like last week we're talking about Moxie, which is a great, lovely movie. Uh And like, but the main things you wanted to talk about were like (laughs) criticisms of the movie. Yeah. And so I, I do wonder. Would you call it a criticism or an observation? (laughs) Um, an observational criticism. Okay. Uh, yeah. It was it was a criticism. There's nothing wrong with criticism, but like, I do wonder like, and I and I feel like uh, I mentioned this to say like it's it is not just you that does that. Yeah. But often it is my experience with a number of people who are trying for moderation. Mm-hmm. But it's like moderation is not a good. Moderation is a neutral thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. And so, well, but this is then I, I think you're right. And that's why I try to say it's still worth the swing because of the staggering data, like 98 percent of women aren't believed and yeah. are telling the truth. Yeah. Is that. Um, but then, like, let's not go hell's bells and be careless with the thing. Like, let's strive to set up a system that finds justice for the 98 and the two so that we're yeah. trusted and that we're above reproach and that we can, you know, what I mean, yeah. but, but I don't feel like there's room for that nuance. No, I agree with you, and it is, like, um, and he does talk about anger and, like, rage and how there has to be something on the other side of it, right? Yeah. And um, I think in this article that we read, sorry, and I think, and I think the thing is, I mean, so I follow on social media in general a lot of black activists, and to me... When I read what they are saying, when I hear what they're saying, when I, they are, I mean, this is, so I follow Beatrice King. She's Dr. King's Mm -hmm. daughter. And it's like, she has this vision of like the moral, the beloved community. Do you know what I mean? And so, so maybe it's just that we're pulling from different pools. That could be. Like, I do feel like people that, that like people who, especially black activists, I feel like lead the way, but plenty of people do have an idea of like what would it look like and not they're not just like raging do you know what i mean which Mm -hmm. is like i do think there's a time Mm -hmm. for raging Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i think the riots in minneapolis were a time for raging yeah right yeah it was not the time to talk about um but if you want somebody to co-sign on something long term i think you 
this is not a butt to the riots. It's just a butt to my no, general no. points. Um, yeah. Like, I think you have to have a, a redemptive vision. And if you really want to work, you probably have to have a redemptive vision that includes space for everybody. Yeah. Not meaning they get yeah. in without repenting, but that no. like, if there are whole peoples that can't be a part of it, yeah, they're never going to come behind you. Yeah. But I don't, yeah. Again, I think it's just, I don't get the sense that there are whole peoples that can never be a part of it. Yeah. But it's just that like, there are, like I think, like we talked about the silly stuff, the Mr. Potato Head, the Dr. Seuss, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But I do think that mostly it is my experience, mostly that when people call for like a repentance or an apology or even for someone to get fired or whatever, like, um, that they are calling for that, for like the repentance, like that they are calling for this middle step that like is so, is so important. Yeah. And doesn't get offered. Uh, yeah. Routinely. Right. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I think it's hard. This is so interesting because it is making me think of The Bachelor, um, which is a silly thing to think about right now. But um, it's hard to demonstrate um, that you are um, working and making progress. Do you know what I mean? That's a hard thing to like just show to people. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think probably what's happened, the difference between now and 20 years ago, is that we have exposure to every single person's place in the process. Yeah. And we get overwhelmed by all those voices. Or maybe I do. Like, I shouldn't read the comment section. Yeah. Don't read the comment section. That's what they say. Um, I don't know who they is. Uh but wise people yeah wise people yes i think there's that and also um i do think that it's like a little scary um living in this time where i mean i think even people who are doing really good work at this point um you know maybe a decade ago were not as educated as they are now and even they feel like but for the grace of god go i as far as like the mob coming for them well and i guess that's another thing i don't understand that he brushes at like I mean, yeah and i don't know how to land this the right way or maybe i haven't thought through of it but like to me that's one of the powers of christian stories i'm no different than yeah. the roman centurion crucifying jesus yes he talks about the imago dei and how we have to Remember that we are all create that like, you know, whatever your worldview is, we are all human. We are all the same. And the Christian, I mean, part of the Christian worldview is like that we are all created in the image of God and bear that into the world. And that is, I do think that's the thing we, that as a society, people easily forget. Um, yeah. Is like this could be me. Or that this person is my brother, this person is yeah. my sister, even if I don't. And it's not that I think everybody does horrible things that like Hitler did. I don't think that. Sure, of course not. But I do think that everybody has done things that could get them canceled. Yeah. Everybody. Well, it's really interesting. Again, speaking on The Bachelor, I listened to, uh, you know, Chris Harrison was the host. He got in a lot of trouble for mm -hmm. some um, racist things he said in an interview with Rachel Lindsay, who was the first black bachelorette. And um, Ra Rachel Lindsay also hosts another podcast called Higher Learning with a guy named Van Lathan. And they all have talked about the fact that they don't think Chris Harrison should be fired for what he said in that interview. Mm. But there are people calling for his job, you know? And so, I mean, Rachel Lindsay is like the person most affected by that. So... And she is out there being like, I don't, I don't think it was, I mean, she, you know, she certainly thinks it was bad, that it was racist and that he has a lot of work to do, but she doesn't necessarily think he should be fired from his job. And so, 
I do sometimes think it's almost easier to get so like um, rage angry about things that you have less stake in than it is um, when you are the person like sort of in the middle of it. You right. Know? Yeah. And I do think that's a question worth asking is like, I, I mean, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of people out there who don't have. It is just their anger at the center of this, you know? Mm. But I don't know that, like... And I, and I don't know how to address that, and that does feel big to me. But to... But... Um, well, I think that there's a, a thread. And um, I would begin with Rene Girard, uh-huh. who I may have mentioned a few times. And... and the longer I'm alive, the more I think he was right. So he he's a French philosopher who has a theory about atonement, which is not objective. So he's not going to talk about Jesus took my sins away. Right. He's going to point to the the goat, the scapegoat in Israel's tradition that they used to use on the Day of Atonement yeah. and say, like, Old Testament history is leading to this moment in history when God's self becomes the wrath, the scapegoat of our thing because we need that as humans. Yeah. And um, just the longer I'm around, I think that that's right. It's like we need a scapegoat, which what we find out, though, is we don't actually need a scapegoat because when we get a scapegoat and they're scapegoated, we still are wounded when it's over. Yeah. But um, so what I think that is, is it's an insight into who we are and that we have real pain and that we want somebody to see to it and tend to it. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, we can finally feel seen. Mm -hmm. And the problem is nobody feels seen even after people are, are canceled or punished or whatever. Yeah. They still have their hurt and their anger. Yes. Yeah, I think that's very true. Well, okay. So I think that's very true because it, right, it is um, a disassociation from your own emotion and you're putting it on this other situation and saying to yourself, like, I'll just feel better when this person is not able to do whatever they were doing, whatever you find so offensive about them. When in reality, as a society, we have a problem with not like engaging our own emotion, you know, and like working through that and working through that trauma and working through that pain. Um, Yeah, I think to me, though, and I completely agree with you on that, but I think to me, though, when I hear people talking about like cancel culture being out of control it doesn't seem to, I, I guess maybe this is where we, where I was not seeing your, like, where I was not seeing hope in your perspective. Because to me, what it seems like when people say that is just like, well, this isn't helpful, so we should stop doing anything. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's what, and I know, of course, that you are not saying that, but that's what I'm like, well, then what should we do? You know? Because there are really people out there who, people have engaged them and tried to get them to say like to admit that they made a mistake and to turn away from it and they instead are not doing that and continuing to use their power for for bad purposes yeah well i think too one of the things and this has all been been said but like people are appropriately canceled in culture and again one of the the purposes of that is it makes power finally yield to what, what it otherwise won't yield to. Right. Like we, it basically is a way to march in and take that from them. Yeah. Um, and it, it is probably true because of what power does to people that most people who have been canceled on a significant level um, probably don't have an interest in a redemptive story anyways. Right. right? <laughs> Which is just very unfortunate. Yeah. But I mean, I do wonder what it would look like for us to be able to follow through on the other side of a story where somebody is truly sorry and then they're restored. And then what sort of access to culture do they get again? Now, it's odd, and this is the problem with celebrity, is there's not a real relationship there. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, any name I mention is like, um, you know, but like what would it mean for Louis C.K. to be a comedy again? I know. Or does that just mean he's done with comedy and that's the thing he lost? Well, we talked about the, we talked some about this, but it's like he is like touring and stuff again, mm-hmm. and his and he is like his jokes are gross now. Like, they well, are. and I think that's the unfortunate other part of this is, um, if if there's not something redemptive in mind, it, you may just create a worse person. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's like certainly a possibility. Well, and, uh, you know, you mentioned the relational aspect. It's like with a celebrity, it's like whose work is that, you know? Yeah. Because, because I mean, it's like uh, the thing I talked about earlier, like because I assume everything is critique or attack. Like, even me as a person, some, like, if I have to be careful if someone's giving me a reasonable critique, but I just feel attacked by it, and so then I don't take the criticism. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just one person and me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're a celebrity, uh, and potentially it's like, hopefully I have a relationship with the person who's giving me that feedback. We can talk through what that looks like, yada, yada, yada. But if you're just a celebrity and you have yeah. this mob coming at you and none of them are in relationship with you, then it's like you have to decide for yourself, I'm going to take this criticism and try to be better or these are all just haters. Well, there's several things that are unfortunate and it's all has to do with the, the faux relationships that we have with celebrities. Yeah. But one, um, again, the, the power things at play, which is important, mm-hmm. but like we're not really part of their meaningful community and they're really not part of our meaningful community. So one, even if they do do redemptive work, we don't have privy to see that happen right. and can't learn to build a trust for them and with them. Mm-hmm. So when we do see them again trying to be a comedian or whatever they're doing, mm-hmm. um, the the pain the pain that they represent mm-hmm. that we responded to hasn't been rectified, right? Right. Um, he's still a... Um, a oppressive assault figure mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i didn't get a chance so there's that but it's also um like in our own communities like we don't have access to these people and so there can't be a real relationship for restoration to happen yeah which is kind of the same coin but um it's from the two different perspectives yeah yeah and so but then i guess i don't know the usefulness of having kind of these cultural mandates handed out ethically like i don't know if they can be redemptive is maybe my thing Hmm. Yeah. I think about Eugene Peterson. I would never take a church over 300 people. Over 300 people. That's what he said. Yeah. And I think it's, there's some part, like, you just can't do the work that the gospel is really asking of us at a certain size. Yeah. I think that's probably true. (sighs) And I think that... I I mean, I mentioned this yesterday because of... (laughs) Tove got a letter from Yelp that was like, (laughs) you guys are doing great. People love you on Yelp. And there's like one review from 2017. UBC has one review on Yelp that we got in 2017. But we got a letter from Yelp saying we were doing great. We were doing great. And um, we probably have had a really sustained good rating for a long time. Yeah. The algorithm. Three years. Yeah. (laughs) These guys keep killing it. These guys are killing it. Every time we check in, they got a... Don't ruin our Yelp rating, by the way. (laughs) And... uh, this person said, like, um, this is a small to medium church, which is actually very true. But I, I, I grew up in a church probably a similar size to UBC. Um, but I also grew up in and out of, like, very small country churches that maybe had, like, you know, like 30 to 50 people. And um, I also worked at a church like that my first year in seminary. And so, and this happens like at the church fair, at you know, orientation or whatever every year. Someone that someone's like, "Oh, how big are you guys?" And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know what number I used to say, four hundred to six hundred or something like that, on a Sunday morning." And they're like, "Oh, so pretty small." And I was always like, "What in the world are you talking about?" <laughs> okay, Los Angeles. <laughs> like, no, that is so. Just realistically, like that is so many people, especially as a pastor. I guess I sort of carry that like I think of all the people I interact with on a Sunday morning and I do feel like I like the size of UBC I I can't imagine wanting to work at a place larger than this um and I do think some of that is because of the work that I think the church is supposed to do Hmm. and like the context of doing that work sometimes feels daunting at this size yeah and i certainly can't imagine being able to pull it off with like thousands and thousands of people which is like i'm not saying anything against churches that are bigger than us i'm saying for me the work i feel called to do as a pastor 
is, um, I think, largely can be successful in a context of churches maybe just this size or maybe a little larger and smaller. So, again, yes. Uh, but I do think, like, the transformative work that the gospel calls us to feels it's so difficult in general. It's so mm-hmm. countercultural. Yeah. Like, I struggle to forgive my wife. Yeah. For, like... Not putting the laundry where you know what I mean, like yeah. much less. But that's like the only meaningful forgiveness I can really offer. Is to forgive your wife? Well, like in relationships where they have relationship. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That example, by the way, sounded terrible. Uh, not forgive no. my wife for putting away the laundry, but whatever. Well, but you guys have different. Yeah, I mean that was we actually never thought about laundry. My point being. Okay. Um. Yeah, again. But the point is that the, the people you are in relationship with. Yeah, so if I struggle to like forgive this person, I actually can see the transformation and have a relationship with. How am I going to actually forgive a celebrity? Yeah. Um, I can't, and maybe they shouldn't, right? Like maybe that's not. It's not fair for either one of us to assume we have a relationship where forgiveness is. Yeah. At play. Well, and I do think sometimes it's like um, this happens all the time. Um, with uh well especially this is so interesting i'm sorry i keep talking about the bachelor but this happened the girl who was the uh the like contestant who all the race she had posted a bunch of racist things on instagram she um posted an apology i thought it was a pretty good apology but um i'm in a couple of (laughs) this is embarrassing i'm in a couple of facebook groups with like people who watch the bachelor and uh a bunch of people were posting like, I don't, it's not any good. It's obviously written by a PR team, which I just thought like, yeah, um, if I'm releasing anything to the public, it should be looked over by like an editor. Like that, it just isn't compelling to me that somebody looked over it beforehand or whatever. Um, but, uh, a bunch of, then a bunch of people posted like, just a reminder, if you're like a white woman here in this space, like this apology's not for you, hmm. she, you know, like she didn't do anything to you i mean she might have offended you but she wasn't attacking you in the way that like or oppressing you in the way that she was doing to women of color or people of color and so that's the thing that i try to remember sometimes is like i i might not have to forgive a celebrity like my estimation of them might go up or down but they might not have been doing actions that oppress me um, and so I, you know, the moment's not about me. I shouldn't be centering myself anyways. Yeah. That's always the humble reminder too. Yeah. Um, and if you're a white male, <laughs> there's not a lot that you, <laughs> <laughs> you should be centered in. Yep. Well, you know, I just thought of this. We could have a fascinating interview with Cheryl Miller. We should try and get her to talk to us. Yeah. Do you know who that is? Danny's mom. Yeah. Do you know the work she does? I do, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, she's had like you wouldn't believe the two people she's gotten to sit down with each other. I know. It's well, I don't know, but she is amazing, truly amazing. We should have her. Obviously, like Danny. Yeah. Okay. Well, I actually have to get going. Okay. Because I have to be back up here in forty minutes for a meeting, and you do too, and I need to eat. Oh yeah. So thank you, listener, for tuning in. We hope you had fun this week, and we will hear or talk to you next week.